Good morning. It is May the 1st in the year of our Lord, 2023. I'm J.D. Walt, and this is your wake-up call. Let's begin our week with this prayer, a prayer of consecration. There's two possible directions you could go with a prayer that you pray every day. One, you could just go to sleep at the wheel and just begin to go through the motions. Or two, you could actually become attuned to being able to pray the prayer at a level beyond having to pay attention to reading words. It's begun to become inscribed on your heart. And you can actually lean into it with your soul. That's the direction I want us to go. So sit up straighter, maybe in your chair. Some of you may even want to kneel on the floor. Certainly it's that kind of movement that we're going for here. Just become conscious that you are before an altar, before the almighty God of heaven and earth. Wake up, sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Jesus, I belong to you. I lift up my heart to you. I set my mind on you. I fix my eyes on you, Jesus. I offer my body as a holy and living sacrifice to you. Jesus, we belong to you. Praying in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our reading today is entitled, Before Jesus Lifts, Jesus Levels. Our scripture text is Romans chapter 3, verses 1 to 8. Hear now the word of the Lord. What advantage, then, is is there in being a Jew? Or what value is there in circumcision? Much in every way. First of all, the Jews have been entrusted with the very words of God. What if some were unfaithful? Will their unfaithfulness nullify God's faithfulness? Not at all. Let God be true and every human being a liar, as it is written, so that you may be proved right when you speak and prevail when you judge. But if our righteousness brings out if our unrighteousness brings out God's righteousness more clearly, what shall we say? That God is unjust in bringing his wrath on us? I'm using human argument here. Certainly not. If that were so, how could God judge the world? Someone might argue, if my falsehood enhances God's truthfulness, and so increases his glory, why am I still condemned as a sinner? Why not say, as some slanderously claim that we say, let us do evil that good may result? 
Their condemnation is just. The word of the Lord. Now consider this. I'm not going to lie. Romans is hard. Today's text is hard to make heads or tails of for me. I get the feeling someone out in the audience has lawyered up and is asking the kinds of questions a person asks when they don't get or don't like what's being discussed. They are the questions of a religious person whose heart is not right. They are the questions of a person who doesn't really want answers, but rather wants to play the part of an agitator. It's kind of like when people don't want to hear what you are trying to say, so they ask ridiculous questions that obfuscate the whole conversation. It's kind of like those people in the Bible study who never do the homework, and instead of being quiet, they try to convince everyone of their intelligence by releasing their pet rabbits into the room so others might give chase. It is very difficult to deal with uber-religious people on the one hand and recently converted pagan heathens on the other. Maybe I'm missing it, but that's how I'm sizing up the scene here in Rome. And the truth is, these two groups of people don't get along. It's a judgment fest. It's kind of like that scene in the movie, The Jesus Revolution, when the pastor's daughter invites all the unkempt and uncouth hippie Jesus freaks into their prim and proper church, and the deacons pitch a fit and start to leave. In a poignant scene around this point in the movie, the drifter hippie turned preacher Lonnie Frisbee, ironically played by Jonathan Rumi, who plays the part of Jesus in The Chosen. Anyway, Frisbee says to Chuck Smith, the pastor of Calvary Chapel, played by Kelsey Grammer, there is an entire generation out there searching for God. My people are a desperate bunch. And desperation, there is power in that word. What would it take for you, Chuck Smith, to become desperate? I think I cried for the rest of the movie after that. Paul is desperate to reach the lost Gentiles, but he has to deal with the legalistic Jews first. What we are witnessing here is the master stroke of the gospel. Before Jesus lifts, he first levels. All the status markers in the house, especially religious ones, must go. Truth be told, this is what most churches need most. We need the most religious people in the house to rend their hearts and repent. We need the families who think they own the church and run the place to stand down and make room. The gospel is a wrecking ball for comfortable, conventional, respectable religion. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. Why does this matter? Because there is an entire generation out there searching for God. 
what would it take for you to become desperate? The prayer, Jesus, we belong to you. Yes, Jesus, I belong to you. You are the gospel. We confess we have tried to fit you into our program and make you serve our agendas. We like our familiar crowd and our easy beliefs. Would you level the ground under my feet? Search me and show me the ways I have put myself on a higher level than others. Convict me of my secret pride. Holy Spirit, awaken me to the desperation of Jesus, who is searching for those who are desperately searching for him. Praying in Jesus' name. Amen. The question, do you have a sense of desperation for Jesus in your life? Do you have a sense of the desperation people feel for Jesus in the world around us, even if they don't yet identify it as such? The hymn today, we're going to sing a song of the longing of Jesus for sinners like us, softly and tenderly. It's hymn number 504 in our seedbed hymnal, Our Great Redeemer's Praise. We're going to sing all four verses. Let's sing it in a spirit of desperation. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. Calling for you and for me. See on the portals his waiting and watching. Watching for you and for me. Come home, come home. You who are weary, come home. Earnestly, tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling, O sinner, come home. Why should we tarry when Jesus is pleading, pleading for you and for me? Why should we linger and heed not his mercies? Mercies for you and for me. Come home, come home. You who are weary, come home. Earnestly, tenderly, Jesus is calling. Calling, O sinner, come home. Time is now fleeting, the moments are passing, passing from you and from me. Shadows are gathering, death's night is coming, coming for you and for me. Come home, come home. 
weary come home. Earnestly, tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling, O sinner, come home. Oh, for the wonderful love he has promised, promised for you and for me. Though we have sinned, he has mercy and pardon, pardon for you and for me. Come home, come home, you who are weary, come home. Earnestly, tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling, O sinner, come home. Amen. That is a pleading, and that is that is our calling, to come home, and if we're home, to plead for others to come home. Tell you. I love that phrase. There's an entire generation out there searching for God. What would it take for you to become desperate? If you haven't seen the Jesus revolution, it's worth your time. Let's leave it there today. We got a Got a big week here in Romans chapter three. Boy, it's a Paul was swinging for the bleachers, and um, that means I got to swing too. That means you got to swing too. Time to hit the fields, gather up the seed. I'll be looking for you out there sowing for a great awakening, and it's for that awakening. I am JD Walt. We hope that today's entry challenged and encouraged you. And thanks for listening to The Wake Up Call, powered by Seedbed. Be sure to share this with a friend. Leave us a rating and subscribe wherever you prefer to listen to podcasts. Find out more and join the movement by visiting our website at seedbed.com slash wakeupcall.